Welcome back to Demo Jockeys. I'm Jack Cochran. And I am Adam DiTomaso. We're continuing our conversation today with Matt Madden from Path to Presales podcast. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks again, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, so and we're always happy to have you here. Always happy to have you here. As the brief thing, we letting you know we are wrapping up our conversation today around the storytelling animal by Jonathan Gottschall. Uh, if you missed any of the previous episodes, there's five episodes this month because there's five Thursdays. So you have four other episodes you can go back and binge and then catch up on this one if you'd like. If you want to get ahead on next month, our December reading is going to be arranged by David Epstein or at whatever point you're binging through our show. I don't know. This could be April. But still, that's the next book you're going to want to pick up. You can find details on demojockeys.com. All right, Matt, picking up where we kind of left off last time, there was a topic you had brought up briefly in the last episode that I really am excited about, just from a personal basis, because Mm -hmm. I grew up with these stories, was the Lake Wobegon effect, which for those of you reading along at home, check out around page 173 in the, the chapter around life stories. The concept here that he gets into is that, or I should say the line that it's drawn from is the end of every every kind of episode of Lake Wolbegon in Prairie Home Companion. Garrison Keeler would talk about how um, this is where all the women are strong, all the men are good looking, and all the children are above average. So the Lake Wolbegon effect gets into the idea that we think we're above average when it comes to just about any positive quality. Most of us think we are very clear-eyed in our assessment, but but clearly, not everyone can be above average, right? Which got me thinking, Matt, I'd love to hear from you. Where are you not above average where you might think you're above average? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we talked about my guitar playing a little bit uh, last time, and yeah. that's one of those areas where I don't think I'll ever... You know, while I feel like I'm above average, um, if I sat down with, you know, some of the some of the folks that were started the guitar program with me way back when in 2009 at the college I went to, I would probably be qu- very quickly humbled. I know I would. I mean, some of them I definitely stayed in touch with and they're just incredible. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's um, easy to let the, the you know, like Wobegon effect uh, creep in and, and, you know, other example I'll speak to as well would just be, I thought I was above average when it came to my demoing ability, I think earlier on than I, sh- I should have. And I, you know, it's always a work in progress, but I think that from a pre-sales perspective, it's one of those things where just because I had a background, I have a background in direct selling and, you know, speaking with people uh, professionally and kind of leading presentations, leading sales conversations. That didn't necessarily mean that directly one for one translates to being, you know, an above average solutions engineer at that, you know, early, earlier on in my journey there. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when we look back, I feel like we have a really good ability to understand where we didn't meet, where we were not above average. But then we always think, well, I'm clearly better now. (laughs) Right. But that can't always be the case. So how can we be objective? Like, I think the demoing thing is a good example. And I, you know, I think of myself as a pretty good demoer. But I also know I've been a terrible demoer in the past, much as you've said. So how can I be sure? How do we go about evaluating our abilities? What's your thoughts on that? Record yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love that suggestion. That is 
that's probably the best. An- yeah. You know what? You're above average at giving answers to that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm usually you know, I- very verbose. So I was trying to be concise there <laughs> for once. <laughs> I, I love that. And uh, it's funny. You could almost call that like the little house on the prairie effect. Cause I'm a little house on the prairie guy. Um, but what I mean by that is... <laughs> I am not looks- following you, so you're going to have to explain that one. <laughs> what I'm saying is, and this is where I'll explain my little house in the prairie effect. And I know that's not in the book, but I just thought it'd be fun to throw out there. Hard work. Let's face the facts. It's recording your own demo and listening back to yourself is hard. And it's one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do because you're listening to your... It's like, it's not just looking in the mirror. It's listening to the message you're actually delivering. And then potentially the realization that it's not quite as clear as I thought it would be, or it's not quite as concise, or it's not telling the appropriate story. Matt, I'm assuming then, have you taken your own advice to this? Do you regularly record and listen to your own demos? As often as I can encourage my a counterpart or SDR to hit the record button or let's, let's, let's do it. We don't leverage something like gong, uh, my current organization, but we did at the last one I was at. And that was where, uh, my pre-sales leader at the time encouraged that during my training and, and ramp up period and also timing myself as well as I was going through it. And so, I mean, obviously if you're recording, you get a kind of a time track, but in general, just kind of that mix was like, I mean, for me, I felt like I, it helped me progress so much more quickly after I got over the initial, like, holy crap, that's, that's what it's like when I'm doing this. I, it, it, it seemed so much better in my head, the like, woe begone effect, you know? <laughs> so, oh, there, there's nothing much like watching back your own recording though, especially if it's one where it was live, like you're listening to your own call and you're sitting there going, I'm frustrated right now listening to myself, which is the realization yeah. of, Wow. How bad was the person who wasn't me listening to me? Because <laughs> mm. I know the point I'm going to get to, and I'm still bored listening to myself. It's a very humbling thing. Um, but do you, do you ever? Do you, what about recording yourself when you're just practicing or you're just getting ready? Have you have you tried that? Have you seen any value doing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, certainly. And that was kind of referencing kind of my my training and ramp up. Um, I saw a lot of value, especially when I was still kind of getting confident in certain elements of the product or use cases that, um, you know, I hadn't been as familiar with up to that point. Um, so just kind of doing that and being able to, if you've got colleagues that are comfortable with giving you candid feedback, um, uh, being able to then share that with them, say, Hey, I've got this big thing coming up. And if you've got, you know, three to five minutes, you know, five to 10 minutes, whatever it might be, where you can just, you know, jump to this part and let me know if you think this is, you know, makes sense. Give me, you know, just ask for specific feedback around there. And I'm sure there's somebody in your organization that's probably willing to do that. And thankfully I've I had folks that were, you know, open to that. So I thought kind of on the prep side, I, I definitely encourage it. I don't do it enough right now, um, but some, something thinking about it, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to start doing that more often again. Is a contributing factor here for a pre-sales person, because there can be situations where, to be direct, you you may not have delivered the best demo and three people in the room were on their phones not caring. And the fourth person who happens to be, for example, say this is very technical. And you just you just hit it with that person, the nerd antenna connected and and lights were seen by just those two people. And when three you know, four people walk out, the sale you and the salesperson leave the room or the call is ended, the execs look around and go to IT guy or technical person and say, did you get that? Or like, are you comfortable here? Should we get this? Like, 
and what I'm getting at is, is there's certain situations can feed a self-confidence like, oh, I, I must have done good because the deal closed. There can be about 30 other reasons why a deal can close. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that that type of scenario, whether it be that one nerdy person who you connected with or it's political reasons above your pervy or what you just don't know what's going on can lead you to that false sense of security and I'm doing a good job when you're really potentially not. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And that's where I think that extra perspective uh, can be just so helpful because it's easy to come up with our own narrative of why, like you said, why things turned out the way that they did, uh, which could definitely be a, a you know false narrative. And we don't learn if we don't at least have some you know, additional perspective on the situation. Um, and it might not be the perspective we want to hear, but that's, you know, it's, it's easy to say that now it's hard in the moment. If you're, you're the one who's like, ah, it went well for this reason. And then you hear that oh, was probably because of that other reason that somebody told me about. Uh, there's a great story I'd like to tell just from my own background that kind of exemplifies this. I was in a, um, this is years and years and years ago. It, it was in my career and about five years in, I was, I was, we were acquired by a larger company and it was, Great. All of a sudden, I'm out. Enterprise SC, who had never done anything more than phone stuff and like just phone demos and technical support. I find myself in, in a meeting that I had prepared for for hours and hours, like a week. I recorded myself. I thought it was the greatest thing I ever could do. Went into this, gave this presentation. We walked out, and it happened to be me, this newer salesperson, and the the exec. And he, um, we did the demo, a lot of questions. I thought it was incredible, not realizing how horrible it was. We went to the Starbucks for a roundup, and the VP looks at the me and goes, well, how did you think that went, Adam? And I, I thought it went great because <laughs> I'm, like, all happy. He looks at the salesperson, and he goes, well, how do you think it went? And he goes, well, I thought we did pretty good. Yeah, Adam answered all the questions. Okay. Looks at, looks at the salesperson, looks at me, and goes, I thought it was blank and horrible and just gave us went down a litany of every single thing that we did wrong and you can and what the end result there was not knowing the whole story not knowing all the discovery not knowing what they were we were being i hate to use the word prescriptive but we were being like oh this is your scenario this is how we're going to solve for it and we were 110% miss so we had all the confidence going in coming out of it we were like boy i hope we don't get fired because we really kind of screwed that deal up. Oh. Yeah, I love that line of questioning. How do you think it went? <laughs> you know, like you're about to, you know, it's good to go round robin on that, but we know, you know, it kind of clearly signals that the person that's asking that probably has um, a, they know how we probably felt about it and they've got a different take. Um, so yeah, right. I've, I've had those moments. I mean, how, how often do we have those debriefs, though, where everyone says it went great and we don't really dive into, did it really go to the level where it couldn't have gotten better? That's probably contributing a little bit to this sense of over average assumption that, well, every time I get done with a demo, I'm told it went great and we're going to just talk about what happens next as opposed to being really analytical maybe because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings maybe because we don't want to tell them their business but unless we're willing to give that critical feedback and we actually allow our account executives and other partners we have, may have in the room with us to say i want the critical feedback or i'm not getting any better all we're going to get is 
yeah, it went great. It went great. And then we have the VP in the room who's like, what are, have you guys ever thought about doing anything better? Because here's all the things you're doing wrong, right? Yeah. I, 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 we need to be better about that. I mean, have you, have you seen that or what's, have you fostered a good sense of, of feedback with your companies, your account executives, or what's, what's kind of been your situ your experience with that, Matt? Yeah. As you were sharing that, Jack, I, was just nodding my head uh, for those who aren't seeing the video because I definitely can relate to it's I think easier it's more comfortable to get in the trap of if we're gonna have a debrief session which I wish happened more often honestly other than maybe just a quick let's hop on a you know slack or let's get back on the zoom for like five minutes and talk about you know make sure we're aligned on next steps and things like that but like really doing more of that after action report if you will you know where it's like you know let's all be objective as we can on here's what went well here's what could have gone better and you know that type of like let's be real about this don't worry about hurting each other's feelings because you know the goal here is let's let's improve together like let's not tear somebody down just to be brutal but but yeah i definitely have, have experienced that and yeah I'm, i'd love uh love to learn more about what you what's worked well um from your all's perspective I, I think it'd be helpful for for everyone out there too um as you've you know seek to foster better feedback sessions and debriefs yeah absolutely please let us know if you're listening and you have things that have worked well with you Please do engage with engage with with us in the comments here on uh, YouTube. Happy to continue the conversation there. Um, if you're listening here, it's a great way to do it. Uh, no, those are, those are absolutely great points. I think I think we don't do it enough, which can definitely lead to that. Uh, that just you miss doing the evaluation, especially if, as you said, you're not listening to the recording, you're not recording yourself yeah. beforehand, you're never listening to yourself, you're never taking a critical eye. You're going to make the assumption you're always above board with everything. I did I did real quick want to pivot slightly on this topic to something I'd be remiss not to talk about, though, which is that uh, right now, a lot of us in the industry are working really hard, a lot of lot overworking going on. There's a lot of burnout potentially happening, a lot of mental health strain, which actually can happen at any time for anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And... The book even talks about this a little bit, that in those instances, you're not over, you're not assuming you're always above average. In fact, just probably just the exact opposite. You're over-exaggerating the negative qualities. You become, but you become below average at evaluating the things that you're actually really good at. And so you lose the sight of everything. And so in those instances, I think it's really important to make sure, one, you've taken stock of where you're at. Uh, recognize that your current views of yourself might be a little bit heavy, heavily weighted. Like, don't don't think there's always a Lake Wobegon effect going on. But also, re reach out, seek help. If that's not within your company externally, please please do. Um, Adam or Matt, I'd love to hear from either of you if you've experienced this and what's helped you out in in situations where you felt yourself kind of going through that burnout, going through the "I'm terrible at this" phase. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you about one. It's what I've gone through one recently. And it's hard. I mean, it's it's funny. In our career, we always, sometimes we change, we change the direction of our career because maybe we want to try something new. And that's, and I encourage everyone to do that. And I've recently made a change and, and I'm not necessarily so much product focused. I'm more strategy focused and it's been a lot of fun. And, and when you're building new things, sometimes you, you know, I'm going to tell you another little thing here. 
I had a friend of mine, my friend Eric, who is the senior vice president of Town Fair Tire. He controls about $50 million worth of retail revenue. The man's very smart. And he cannot open up a computer. Like, he's like a caveman when you computer smash. But he logistically can build out 50 stores and is responsible for a considerable amount of revenue for an organization. I can't say how smart this guy is. But at the same time, he's horrible at computers. We all tease him. Very close friend. But he said to me, and I said, I go into Eric and I said, him not knowing my technical situation, like all the technical stuff, I just said, Eric, I, I said, I, I, if I take this role, I said, I got to kind of maybe do the grunt work that I didn't really want to do anymore because I've moved past that in my career. And he looks at me, he looks down and looks at me. He goes, Adam, you know, when I open a store, sometimes you got to unload all the tires off the truck. They don't pay me to unload tires, but I still go and unload the tires. And the point I'm making there is sometimes you have to kind of change your direction. And in doing that, that can cause negative feeling, can cause doubt. Because now you should have, I have done this. I, I shouldn't have done this. And like, this was a mistake and all of that. And really, it just boils down to putting your head down, in my opinion, and just kind of grabbing your bootstraps. And just, I, I'm in this situation. And the only thing I can do is look at the facts of the situation, take my emotion out of it and my anger that I don't know how to do something, my frustration that I have to learn a new thing. And I only got a little bit of time to do it. And it's when you have a little bit of time to do it and it's really hard, you don't have the base set of skills that you should have that someone else may can get it done just like that. And it's, oh, it's so frustrating. It'll just bring you right down. Um, but if you just kind of turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to take the emotion out of this. I'm going to pull my bootstraps up. And I'm going to write a list. And then I'm going to start to knock off the easy stuff. And then when I get to a harder thing, I'm going to spend a little bit more time and I create a time inventory. And if I come to a wall where I've spent eight hours on something that not going to happen, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to elevate or I'm going to escalate this issue because one thing that I I the reason I kind of took you through that long story is you need to be able to ask your peers and your customers and your clients and you need to not be afraid to say hey I don't know how to do this mm -hmm. I need to escalate this issue the, the resolutions the possible resolutions could be we get someone who's got more experience or we call tech support or we present solutions. So the end of how I beat that, that feeling, that, that negativeness, that depression is through the idea of taking the emotion out, looking at the facts, knocking down the simple tasks that I know I can do successfully in turn, building my little bit of confidence and then being direct and honest and say, because in business, they don't care. It's not that it's cared. If you know how to do something, it's care. If you know how to get to the solution. So think about it from that perspective. And you will find that your stress will come down, your anxiety will come down, and you're going in a positive direction. Right. And one thing I wanted to build on from that, because I, I could relate to a lot when you're just saying, hey, you know, what are the things that I can control, mindset being one of them, which you spoke to, how am I going to view it? And when it comes to just you know, like in those moments, Thinking about what's still in your control in that scenario uh, can be hard to keep top of mind because it just feels like I've got to take this on and there's the pressure coming, you know, internally for me to take this on. There's the pressure coming from those that are, I'm now speaking to. Um, so like I've had to, 
you know, I'm speaking from, I've, I've had to take on um, some kind of more pure CS uh, focused work at my, in my current role, in addition to, you know, my, my SC focus. Um, and I also wear my AE hat a little bit now. So it's, uh, you know, with that, you know, get to see a, quite a variety, but, um, you know, there are things that, you know, a client might be asking me that I don't have the historical context on and that, that pressure, you know, the thing I keep trying to tell myself, um, as I think, you know, the stress of that is like somebody that I might've gone to for that answer. Um, they might, they, if they're not here right now, or I don't know who that person is, then, um, I can still do my best to manage expectations. That's within my control. And so that's something that's been helpful for me as, you know, in these moments, but, you know, definitely, definitely, um, struggle, struggle with that kind of the, the pressure and potential burnout too. Yeah, I appreciate you both sharing that. That's uh, the I think the main thing to think of is you're not alone if you're going through stuff like that because we all right. go through these bouts of either a struggle with work or feeling like you're not up up to the task. Um, but there are ways to definitely get through it. And a big piece about that is that we are <laughs> one thing as as I'm realizing reading through the book, we are great at deceiving ourselves into about our current state. And taking actually the ability to actually step back and take a good snapshot, whether good or bad, is really difficult to do, to be honest with yourself. Uh, we are really terrible at, in general, feeling like we're above average and stuff that we're below average at. We're, when we get down, we feel like we're the worst person or something. We don't realize the good things that we're doing. The big thread that I see through all this of both of your stories is there's a reliance on other people at some point where you engage both for the good and for the bad. Like even when we're talking about demoing stuff, you're recording it, you're getting feedback from others, you're helping them to let you know things that need improvement. When we're down, when there's things we can't do, relying on others to help us to get pulled out of it or to take care of things that we can't or to, to help us along, like don't go it alone in either scenario. You're gonna find a much better path towards how good or how bad you are, regardless of what it is, if you're engaging with other people. Yeah. Focus on the solution. Yep. The solution is key. And one thing that the book speaks to that I loved about when we're talking about uh, the past versus the, you know, the, uh, the future and just kind of how our, our brain, you guys spoke to on a prior episode around, uh, you know, the com com confabulation and just that tendency there. Uh, but the fact that, you know, we, I think, have a tendency to distort the future, um, you know, and, and really let that psych us out in the present moment as well and like go into doomsday scenario mode. And, um, you know, and they don't directly talk about it, I think, in this line of questioning, but like other books I, I've read in, you know, other thought leaders around when you're kind of struggling with that fear, or even imposter thin syndrome, the asking yourself the question, like, what's the worst that could happen here if I you know, kind of stay on this current track, like thinking through that and like, how do I mitigate that in advance instead of just like saying hyper-focused, you know, that kind of hyper-realism like you guys spoke to as well in the past on like just exactly how the situation is or, you know, or distorting how you think it's going to be, uh, but, but really think about, you know, what can you control? <laughs> in the end of the day, I had a, a, I had a boss who would say, uh, we're just selling software here. <laughs> I mean, let's keep focus on what we're actually doing. It's not into the world. It's not worth yeah. risking your health or your like or, or thinking you're bad or your stability. Like, end of the day, we're selling software. So, what's the worst that could happen? That client doesn't buy from us. Uh, 
we'd love to get it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play. We'd love to close the deal, but if we don't, okay, we'll close the next. We'll one. close the next one. There's more that'll come along. <laughs> the right. perspective sometimes is hard to gain, but once if you can lock into that every now and then, when you're either struggling, either good or bad on something, lock in the perspective of, of I'm selling software, I'm selling services, I'm, you know, whatever it is that you do in the space. Um, probably not life or death. Probably something that it's going to be okay regardless of how the outcome ends up being. I would love if, and if we're at time, feel free to no, keep not, me not quite here, got, I was going to say that I had one more question, but, but if you've got a question, Matt, well, fire I, I would love if rapid fire, you guys asked me my, uh, kind of Lake Wobegon, you know, item, I rattled off a couple. Would you guys mind each rattling off one of, one of yours? Yeah, I, so for me, it's been an interesting transition over the past year as I year and a half now as I moved into sales leadership. So I'd been a leader in my previous career and then moving into sales. I just moved into sales leadership the past year and a half. And it's interesting to see, to, to like feel like I look back on a monthly basis and realize how bad of choices I have been making up to that point that I need to change <laughs> and do to the point where I'm going, I'm starting as I was reading through the book going, I need to have a better understanding of that right now I might be wrong in what I'm wanting to ask my team to do or how I'm leading the team and be more okay with the fact that it's okay if I'm getting feed. I should be seeking out that feedback. And so I really feel like that's something that's helped me to realize to take a, a current good look at what I'm doing right now around how I'm leading my team that I need to take a more daily approach towards or maybe not daily, maybe more weekly approach toward evaluating how we're doing things, how I'm leading, how I'm engaging with my team. Is it actually helping or hurting? And then adjust as necessary. So that's been something that's been a, a huge takeaway for me from the book. Hmm. Awesome. I would say my Lake Wobegon effect for me is, it's funny, it's, for me, it's been, because I've made a switch in my career, as I've mentioned, from more of a product SC type of role to now where I'm more consulting and strategy. So, and the funny thing is, is like, as I came into this, I was like, I did product consulting and strategy is easy because I did consulting and strategy for every single deal I worked on. <laughs> easy. And from a pre-sales perspective, <laughs> I'm pretty right. And I still say I am. But in, in when you join a business and sometimes you're in, in a role where we're building a new thing and you're the first one there. And that's kind of the situation I'm in. So guess what? I'm going to wear about 10 hats and I'm going to put on a hat that's not so comfortable and that's production work. So not something I, I have a ton of experience in my career, not something I did every day, but because I have done it so much in a pre-sales perspective and POC perspective, rolling into it, it's just been where I, looking back at what I've done over the past three months, there's plenty of things I would change. I would approach it considerably differently, like from how I log things, from how I recorded different activities and just how I built the schema, for example for the reason I needed to build a schema, how I built that schema. Like I learned so much. And it was funny because to tie it to the previous conversation, I did get to that low point where I was like, ah, oh, this is some, so much going on. But my boss who has less experience in this area than I did just came over with a logical calm head and said, hit your brakes, let's organize and let's start checking off the easy things. And then all of a sudden, all these Deadlines got easier. Things started falling into place. And it wasn't that he swooped in and did everything that I needed him to do. He he just kind of helped me organize the dinner on my plate so I could eat it better. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, it goes back to Jack's point. You know, you're not in it alone in certain scenarios, you know, get the help, get the, you know, that input that'll, that'll help you, you know, get unstuck. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation, Matt. Absolutely have enjoyed having you on the show for this and the last episode. Um, thanks again. Any, any shout outs for you uh, about the podcast? I know you've gone through a little bit of a, a, a break with the episodes. Any plans you have on kind of relaunching the show and getting more content out there? Yeah, no, thanks, Jack. Uh, I've really loved these past two episodes you've had me on for. And I want to say to those who have followed Path to Presales, or if you're going to go check it out, we've got 15 amazing episodes. Think of it like a season one. Uh, As Jack mentioned, I have had to kind of put a bit of a pause on it. So I'm essentially capping that off as a season one, but do plan to relaunch the show in Q1 of next year. So 2024. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this. So I guess uh, podcasts tend to hang around uh, indefinitely unless I took them down. So, but no plans there yet. Definitely going to keep it going and uh, be a little more active on kind of my promotion and things I'm doing in between. So I'm excited to ramp up a little bit more on uh, the newsletter and blog side of Path to Presales. So those are things I'm thinking through uh, as I work towards kind of releasing new episodes. So would love to hear from you guys. Um, Please connect with me on LinkedIn if you check out the show or have any questions for me or if you're interested in being a guest down the line to, to tell your story that's exciting i'm excited for the the new season to launch when it does it'll be here before you know it that's how time always goes with these things oh yeah um, i would love to be a guest <laughs> all right well, there you go there, there you, you go, go. You adam we'll take you up already. on that <laughs> absolutely so excellent uh again great conversation and uh Uh, Just to talk about next time, our next episode, we're going to be into our next book. If you've not picked it up yet, check out the notes in the description range by David Epstein. We'll have a great conversation there to to finish off the year, to finish off 2023. I had to look at the calendar real quick because I'm already forgetting what year it is. It's I'm so (laughs) are we there yet? It's oh, my gosh, I can't even explain it. But uh, thanks again, Matt. I have really appreciated having you on the show. And for everyone listening, we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you Likewise. next time. Thanks, everyone. Storytelling animal. Bye.